Yeah, Lord, we, we pray now as we move into, um, Hugh and Susie are going to uh, speak to us, they're going to teach us from Nehemiah, and Jesus, we recognise that power that's in you, and we ask you to feed us now through your word, and through what Hugh and Susie bring. Amen. Hello everyone, good morning. So I want to talk to you today, and just, just to start with, I'm going to ask two questions, pose two questions. Have you ever had something you felt God has asked you to do? Maybe a plan, a purpose, something small, something big, but it hasn't happened. You haven't managed to get this off the starting blocks. Or have you ever started something, you're walking in your purpose, it's going really well, and then the attack comes, it gets too difficult, and for whatever reason, you give up and you stop. Now, I know for me personally, I've experienced both those things before. I felt God asked me to do things, and I haven't, I haven't started, I haven't done it. And I've also felt that I've been walking in God's purpose in my life, but I've got discouraged and I've given up. Well, today we're looking at Nehemiah, who has a different story to mine. He's someone who heard, God, he heard God's purpose, he heard God's plan, and he got started. He gathered a team around him, and he started rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And when things got tough, he didn't give up. He kept going and he persevered on. And that's what we're looking at today. We've got so much to learn from Nehemiah and his story. So if you don't know me, I'm Susie. I'm married to Hugh. He's going to be talking after me. It's lovely to be in Hope, actually. It's quite emotional to be back here. And as I stand here, I'm trying to imagine your lovely faces smiling back at me. Not the slightly bizarre experience of talking into the iPhone camera. But today, I'm going to talk about three S's to moving in your purpose. So Alice should be proud. Three S's. So the first is to seek your purpose. And really, this is what Alice talked about last week. So if you haven't heard her talk already, I really encourage you to to listen, listen to it. If you've heard it already, listen, listen again. Because knowing your purpose, knowing what God's asked you to do, is the most important thing in our lives so that we can move into it. And that's really important, whether it's something really small, whether you feel your purpose is just a daily walking in something, a small purpose that you can be obedient in, or a really big purpose. Let's seek the Lord in our lives for for the little and for the big. The second S is getting started, which is what I'm going to talk about. How can we get started in that God-given purpose and plan? And then Hugh is going to talk about standing your ground. How can we stay? How can we stand? How, when the enemy comes and attacks us and when things get difficult, how do we not give up? So to just recap on Nehemiah so far. So in chapters 1 and 2, we heard last week from Alice how that um, Nehemiah had heard about the destruction of Jerusalem. He was devastated to hear that, the, that Jerusalem had been destroyed. And he prayed to the Lord, he petitioned to the Lord um, for its restoration. And the king at the time released him to go and restore the walls of Jerusalem. Now today, um, in chapters 3 and 4, we're looking about what happens next. And so in chapter 3, it's a really beautiful chapter. Nehemiah gathers families, friends, workmen, colleagues um, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem together as teams. It's a little bit like social distancing. Everyone did it with their family and with their friends. The people within their household go out and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And actually, I counted 37 um, different teams of people all working on their own section of Jerusalem's wall to have it rebuilt. 
But then in chapter four, um, sort of disaster strikes. Suddenly, um, from the rebuilding comes the attack. Sambalat and Tobiah come and um, offer lots of um, torrents of, of abuse to the Israelites. They tell them they're not going to finish it and also um, say they're going to physically attack them. So it gets really tough. And Hugh is, as I said, going to talk about what we do then. But how do we get started? Why is it that it's so difficult sometimes to get started in the vision or the purpose that we feel God has given us? Well, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Um, Rebecca doesn't know this, but she asked Hugh and I to do the 8am prayers a couple of weeks ago. Hugh and I were quite busy at the time. We were just getting our heads around homeschooling. We're working. And so we said yes, but we procrastinated. We hadn't um, thought about our talk. And the night before we were due to WhatsApp it over... Um, We'd planned to prepare it then, but we had a massive argument. Um, We weren't speaking. So at 9.30, the evening before the talk was due, Hugh and I um, weren't speaking to each other. And the only reason we were talking was to discuss, I'm sorry, this is really bad, the excuse we could give for not having having done this talk. Um, But actually in that moment, um, Hugh then said, come on, Susie, let's pull ourselves together. He said sorry, and I said sorry, he said, let's pray, come on, let's get started, we can do this. So we went downstairs, we prayed, and we felt God say, talk about a season in your life, um, which was 15 years ago, when I'd been really ill, I'd almost died of a lung condition. And in that time, God had been really, really faithful. And so in getting started, in doing that talk, it actually brought restoration, you'll be pleased to know, peace was restored in the David's household, and we were really encouraged by remembering what God had done for us in years gone by. So to get started, sometimes we need to overcome our own sin. I had to overcome my sin that day to be able to give that little talk. But also we might have to overcome strongholds of fear, of feeling we're not good enough, of insignificance. There might be busyness or distraction in our lives so that we can't focus on the purpose and the plan that God has for you. Um, but And sometimes it's just that we're so busy because we feel like God's given us so many things to do that we miss the one thing he's really asked us. Sometimes we need to focus on that one purpose in our life that God has for us. Just thinking of Luke 14 in the parable of the banquet where um, many people are invited to this amazing banquet but give excuses as to why they can't come. One person has built, um, bought a field, another has bought a cow, someone else has just got married. They all say they're too busy to come to the banquet. And how often today are we still too, um, are we still distracted by those same three things? Work, material possessions and relationships can stop us walking in our purpose. And there may be um, less obvious distractions at the moment because it feels like most of our day-to-day life has been stripped away or you might feel busier than ever if you're being distracted by children at home and trying to homeschool. But whatever season you're in, actually now is an amazing time to seek the Lord, to really pursue your purpose in him. Let's not let the coronavirus, let's not let social distancing stop us pursuing our purpose and the God-given calling we have today. But to start well, what are the two most important things when we start um, that are so important to walking in your purpose? Well, the key foundation is obedience. To get started, we need to walk in obedience to whatever God is calling us to do. And it's often obedience in in the small day-to-day things that lead to obedience in the bigger picture as well. Now, Nehemiah's story 
is made possible not just by his obedience, but by the obedience of all the families and friends of the Israelites of the teams responding to their calling and working together to rebuild the wall. Everyone has an important role to play. So walking in our purpose starts with obedience. And often when we start walking in obedience, we don't know what God's bigger picture always is. Sometimes it's about being obedient in the small things and seeking him. And as we seek the Lord for his purpose in our life, and as we walk in obedience, then the bigger picture and why he's asked us to do things can be revealed. I joined Hope um, 22 years ago, and when I first came here, I asked the Lord, what did he want me to do? How could I serve? And he, he asked me to babysit. So I first spent my first couple of years in Hope babysitting for different families. But one family really stood out. That was Silas and Annie. At the time, they had small children. And I often came and babysat for them. And it was a lovely time. I got to be part of their family. But also it meant I got to know Silas and Annie, who were pastors of the church at the time. And I learned so much from them and how they did life. And they've been such a significant part of my life um, over the last 22 years. And I never would have known that when I first turned up as a student to babysat. Silas gave um, our wedding speech, our wedding talk in the church. Annie was actually um, my birthing partner when my second daughter was born. And then we went on to be elders with them for six years at Hope. They have had such an important role in my life. And that started with just that simple um, act of babysitting. Now, obviously, the elephant in the room at the moment is that we are in the middle of a global pandemic. We've been told to stay at home. Many projects, visions, plans have literally been stopped dead in the tracks. It's really hard to feel like we can walk in our purpose. But I really challenge you and just encourage you today to think about every day, what can we do to serve the kingdom? And as a family, we've been trying to have just a daily act of kindness or blessing to our neighbours. And that's given us real joy and purpose um, and creativity in this time to think, what can we do for people around us or people further afield to, to make their day? And the kids have come up with some great ideas and it's been really exciting. Now, um, Chris mentioned Simon Gilbo earlier, and I heard him speak again, um, and he, um, in Hope last year, but also before, and he talks about his story, that in his 20s, he was seeking the Lord for his purpose. And he said, I'll go anywhere and do anything as long as you show me. I'll go anywhere and do anything as long as you show me. And the next day, he had a really cool, really clear calling to go and serve in Burundi, which was one of the most dangerous countries in the world at the time. And he has had the most amazing ministry in Burundi, bringing the gospel of Jesus and practical help to many people. And it's ongoing now. And that started with that posture of obedience, that heart attitude of I'll go anywhere and do anything as long as you show me. On a much smaller scale, I was in the school playground, um, it was probably three or four years ago now, and I overheard a mum who I'd heard had become a Christian telling a huge group of friends that she'd just found Jesus. And I was like, wow, who is this lady? She was saying, I found Jesus, I've become a Christian. But she said, oh, I'm not going to really read the Bible because I don't understand it. Reading the Bible is for priests. She'd come from a Catholic background, but I'm so excited to become a Christian. And in that moment, I felt God just say, go up to her and offer to read the Bible with her. So I had never met her properly, but I just said, hi, do you want to come around to my house for tea and we can read the Bible together? Because I believe everyone can understand and read the Bible. And she said, yes. 
And then on the day she was due to come round, I was like little stars. And I overheard another mum saying, oh, I'm just refinding my faith. I'm rediscovering Jesus um, again, um, but I'm really struggling to read the Bible. And I felt God nudge me and say, invite her around too. So that afternoon, I had two people I'd never really met before in my house, and we read the Bible together. And it was an incredible season of sharing together. But actually, out of those little acts of obedience came a much bigger story, because the first mum has gone on to Bible college. She's reading um, the Bible at Trinity College, and she's in the final stages of being accepted for ordination as an evangelist for the Church of England. She's gone on to walk in her purpose and destiny, And the other mum now writes Christian literature. She's writing amazing Christian novels. And she messaged me recently to say that Bible study was a catalyst to her walking in her purpose. So so sometimes our little acts of obedience can have a much bigger act on other people. The Israelite families and friends were a vital part of this story. They were ready to say yes to Nehemiah's call. They were obedient, prepared and ready to serve ready to risk their lives for the calling, and are we prepared to do the same? Now, just finally, we're going to focus on the second really important ingredient to getting started on your purpose. It's about knowing God's character. To get started, we need to know who our God is. Otherwise, in the human, often the plans and the purposes um, we feel he's given us are too big. We can't imagine doing them. It's too hard. It's too much. Imagine Nehemiah looking at the broken walls of Jerusalem. Imagine how he felt, thinking, oh my goodness, we can't do this. It's too big a task. But he didn't. He looked to his God. Or J.R. Tolkien, who wrote The Lord of the Rings, apparently spent 17 years writing it and at points almost gave up. But he knew the destiny. He knew where he wanted to be. He wanted to complete the book and it kept him going. So we need to know our God. We need to know his goodness his faithfulness, his greatness. Know that he will never let us down, that he is with us wherever we go. He's our strength. He's our peace in times of trouble. He's our daily bread. We can't fulfill God's purposes in our lives on our own, but we can when we do it with Jesus. So I'm just going to reflect on Ephesians 3, um, just verse 14 to 22. I'm going to read it and um, then Hugh will take over. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with the inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church, and in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And I love the fact that this is Paul praying this over us. Paul is someone who had a purpose. God had given him a vision to bring the message of Jesus to the entire Gentiles around the world. And what an amazing example of someone who had a purpose, 
who got started and brought it to completion despite immense, immense opposition along the way. Now his prayer is that we might be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God as we experience the love of God fully in our lives. And I want you just to imagine a seed when we think about this passage. We've been planting in the garden and our seeds have started shooting up as we try and dig for victory during the coronavirus. So we've got seeds that are growing um, leaves, but they've also got, at the same time as they're going up, um, they've also got to go down and get deep roots into the soil. And with this passage, imagine your heart as the seed, as we, which where Jesus is planted in your heart as you trust in him. It starts by trusting Jesus. And then your roots can go down deep into the soil of God's love so that we can be strong. It's so important that we're rooted in God's love. And in this time of difficulty and challenge, if we're rooted in him, we can stand firm. But at the same time as our roots go down, we need to be shooting upwards. The plant needs to have leaves so it can photosynthesize and get energy. And our plant needs to go upwards so that it can know the immeasurable power and greatness and resources available to us as we believe in Jesus. And as we do those two things together, then we can walk in our purpose. As we're rooted in God's love and as we know his greatness and power, then we can go on to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. So now, um, to think a little bit about um, what happens when times get tough, I'm going to hand over to Hugh to continue. So hello, Hope. Uh, Yes, it's so good. I just want to reiterate, it's so great to be standing in this building, although it's almost empty. Um, But I'm trying to imagine you all in there, so that's that's my challenge. So I'm going to be talking about standing, so standing. So we're in a place now where we've heard the call of God. Um, and for some, for some of us, this, this call, this hearing of God's voice, it may be the first time uh, that we've heard it. It may be that on Wednesday, this is the first time you've heard your original design, which is the words as we invite others to listen for us for the way God has made us to be. Uh, for others, it may, be, it may feel that you've been at the cold face of hearing the visions of God for yourself and for your families for, for many years. You may have been a Christian for decades, um, and you're still pressing in. But I think what's inevitable at some stage of our Christian journey, of our walk, um, whether it's at the beginning, in the middle, or near the end, is attack. And the, the thing that struck me as I read these chapters again of Nehemiah and and reading about the vicious attacks of Sanballat in Nehemiah 4, was that there were two phases to his anger. Uh, the first phase was the, the sort of, who do you think you are? Who are you uh, to think you can even do this, to even think you can imagine that you could do this? Um, it was sort of like a, a mental and psychological attack. It was a belittling of the people of God to say that you can't even begin. Um, and then secondly, he, he became even more angry. Probably a little bit of fear crept into his mind, but he became more angry as he saw them beginning to build and it got to about halfway up and he, he, he got, he became incredibly angry and thought, I must stop this. What, how dare they do this thing that I neither believe in and that I absolutely hate? It became like a physical attack and he actually threatened that he would tear down what they'd started, that he would actually physically attack them. And for me, reading this again, the, the key thing was to recognise what was going on here in the spiritual realm 
behind this sort of immediate attack. Um, It's in the moment, but it's also in the longer term. If we believe in the purpose that God said in our hearts or within our community, um, if if we believe it and it's set there in us, my experience and the testimony of Scripture is that at some point that will be attacked by the enemy. And we need to recognise the spiritual nature of this attack in the moment. Otherwise we'll become discouraged, we'll just see it there in front of us. We'll become discouraged, we'll become overwhelmed. And we won't necessarily turn back to God uh, to pray. We won't necessarily seek the encouragement from our brothers and sisters that we need because we're just seeing it in the moment, if that makes sense. So what do we see Nehemiah doing? Firstly, after the sort of the mocking psychological discouragement, he turns to God and he prays. He, he literally deflects the mocking voice and he rebukes it. And then after he's done that, he moves straight back and he continues steadfastly in what he knows God's called him to do. And then secondly, when the threat seems to mount and it becomes more physical, more kind of endangering to himself and his team, he gathers everyone around him and he sets a guard. And I'll be mentioning that a bit later. And these examples, for me, they represent the the basis of the attacks that we see our enemy, the devil, making against us. He often uses the voices of those around us, or sometimes our own internal voice of doubt. Sometimes he just whispers it straight into our ears. Who are you? You're feeble. He says that. You're feeble. How many times have you heard or felt that in yourself, in your life? But I'm here to tell you, you are not feeble. Okay, you may be six foot five, you may be four foot eight, but with the Lord of Heaven's armies on your side, you are not feeble. As you root yourself in Him, you can move mountains. You can shift things in heaven and on earth. Your words carry weight into eternity. Your posture and your spirit can change whole places of work, whole atmospheres. As you become more aware of the presence of God within you, you can push back against the gates of hell itself. And you can literally unlock them for those around you. And how is it that we can do this or dare to believe that we can do it? It's because God trusts in us as we trust in him. So some of you may know, it's a little story. Uh, some of you may know that uh, 2017, uh, we as a family went to South Africa uh, for six months. And uh, we went as a family on mission uh, to Iris Global uh, in Johannesburg, just outside Johannesburg. And uh, it's probably fair to say the build-up to this probably went back at least two or three years of, of praying, of seeking God, of testing it, testing it with friends, wise counsel. Uh, but it's fair to say that we felt God had definitely called us to this. This is something that we were going to really plant ourselves in. And we went. And I won't bore you with all the uh, the intricacies of South African visas of their child trafficking laws, uh, but suffice to say, we were we that you have two three month visas, and in the middle you have to do a visa run. And we did this. We went to Uganda, and we found ourselves back in Johannesburg Airport. It was about two o'clock in the morning. Um, we were tired. Uh, the children were kind of hanging off our arms, uh, and uh, we we stood in front of passport control. And the lady just looked at our visas 
And so the other thing, to suffice to say, we'd, we'd messed up the timings in quite a big way. Um, she took a look at our visas and said, yes, we now have, I can give you seven days more in South Africa, and then you must return to the UK. And we just paused. We were like, uh, what? This, 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 this can't be. We've got our work is only halfway through. We haven't even got the medical caravan running. There are so many things. We've got three months ahead of us. Our house is rented out back in the UK. We would have nowhere to live. Uh, we'd be homeless as a family of five. And we were just, for several minutes, we were just kind of frantically petitioning this lady of like, no, 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 no. We, I know we might have got the timings wrong, but please, please, this can't be it. And not, not only that, but we'd, um, brought Isabel's wrong birth certificate with her. So she started quoting child trafficking laws to us and were we trafficking Isabel through South Africa? And it was, it was a, a nightmare. And, and uh, despite Isabel's sort of t- tactical, tactical sort of sobbing weep as she lay hanging on my arm, it was to no avail. She was, she was not budging. Um, and, you know, in that moment, our sort of silent prayers went up. They were desperate. They were like, Lord, what, please help uh, but probably even more than that, my heart was saying, Lord, you, you were in this. You were in us in the planning. You were here in the testing. Where are you? What is this? Uh, there must be more, more going on behind this moment. It can't just be in this moment. We can't just give up. But, but we were within seconds, I think, of, of giving up, really, as we were sending those prayers out to try and see beyond and into the spiritual realm. And this lady came up behind us and she just whispered into our ears. She says, why don't you just speak to that man over there? He may be able to help you. And we hadn't seen this man working quietly uh, in the corner. And he came up as we beckoned him over to ask for some help. And it turned out he was the head of Homeland Security for Johannesburg Airport. And, um, and he was trying to calm the situation down. He said to the lady behind the desk, just, just, just hang on. These guys are clearly a family. They're not trying to traffic these children. They're, they're clearly a family here together to do something. Let me hear their story. So he really patiently, as we were sort of desperately recounting why we were here, heard our story of why we were here in South Africa, what we were here to do as a family, what we were trying to achieve. And he loved it. He really connected with what we were saying. Uh, I think he was quite moved, actually. And, uh, and he says, I really want to encourage you guys I'm going to give you the 90-day visa, be blessed, and, and go. And uh, as we were sort of weeping and saying that he was an angel from heaven, although he didn't disappear, <laughs> um, I think he lost a little bit of street cred with his team. Uh, but as we walked off, I could hear him trying to calm them down, just saying that I wanted to hear their story. Um, I wanted them. I wanted to encourage them. They're here to do good. And for me, it was really not seeing in the moment that attack because it wasn't the lady doing her job. She was, she was quite right, actually. We had stuffed up the timings. It was trying to see beyond in the spiritual ones. Why, why are we being stopped here now? And God had said this. Let's return to that. So I just really, the final point really is about encouragement. It is so, so important to encourage one another. I often feel my efforts are incredibly feeble until I turn to him And he has all the resources, all the purposes, all the strength. And we must encourage each other not to give up. Don't point out each other's weaknesses. Point out each other's strengths. We all respond to this. And another little uh, amusing anecdote about encouragement to try and fix this in your mind. One morning I was was lying in bed, uh, just snoozing, and my little son, he's eight years old, Theo, he came down the stairs... And he just crawled into bed next to me and he just started sort of stroking my hair. It was a lovely, tender moment. 
and he sort of he was sort of massaging the, the roots of my hair, and I was, you know, my hair's receding a little bit. By the way, you can't resist that. Uh, you, know, you may as well resist the tide as it comes in. Uh, it's impossible. But I just jokingly said to him, go on, Theo, encourage, encourage the roots. You know, I was expecting him to massage with the front of my head. But he just kind of leant in, and he stopped. I thought, what are you doing? And he, he, uh, he said, go on, roots, you can do it. Go on, Roots, you can do it. And I just burst out laughing because that was not the encouragement I was expecting. I was expecting him to carry on sort of working on my hair. But uh, he, uh, he, he gave me words of encouragement. It just reminded me as I, as I burst out laughing there are so many ways to encourage one another. And you'll see in Nehemiah's story that every man, woman and family, sons and daughters, young and old, uh, had a place at the wall. Some came by district, some by clans and families, and many built the wall right outside their houses. So what does God put right in front of you? And you'll also see in the story that their power was also in their teamwork. So not everyone was a leader. It certainly wasn't a one-man band. And they also didn't get distracted by the other areas of the walls. Of course, there were holes all over the place. The whole walls were in ruins. They didn't become overwhelmed. And just as Susie mentioned that we fa- when we face the initial challenge of getting started, uh, the challenge to continue to stand, we need the same attitude. We need the same attitude of, of, of not giving up, of reaching out to him. Don't focus on the holes. Don't be overwhelmed by the desolation. Gather people around you and stand firm where you are. Don't compare your bit of wall with someone a mile down the road. Just encourage them. And I look around at Hope and I see, I see the Soup Run team and the Night Shelter team building their section of wall, providing shelter for those who need it. I see the Hospitality team, the Sam team and others every Sunday serving, building like a wall of welcome, brick by brick, smile by smile, cup by cup. We have a youth team building a mighty section of wall and they're really putting their shoulders to the work. The children's team, little stars, absolute troopers, what would we do without them? There'd be a pile of ruins over there if it wasn't for them. Our pastors and our eldership team, Chris and Alice, Andrew and Rebecca and the others, directing so many hands in the building work, doing work that will last for generations. And look up there, the worshippers building a beautiful colonnade at the back in that section and they're singing as they work. The work of Wednesday Church, Celebrate Recovery, Walking in Victory, an incredible team. They're building stone by stone, restoring another beautiful section of wall. And the Tuesday prayer team, one church, one day. As we read in Nehemiah's story, the, the, the guard was set as they put their one hand on their shovels, if you like, and one hand on their swords or their, their sort of bows and arrows. Our prayer teams, they walk around and around us as we build. They're one hand on their shovels, they've got one hand on their swords. They're fighting off the attacks as they come in. And we can do this for one another and we can do this in our families. They're fighting in the heavenly places and I can almost hear them saying, remember our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And I could go on and on. Hope you are a church that know how to move in the purposes of God. There are big visions and there are smaller visions maybe right in front of our noses. So keep connected with God. 
Everything is found in him. Let your roots grow down into his love as you reach up your branches to serve. And God bless you. Thanks, Susie. Thanks, you. That was really, really rich, really encouraging. A clap from the balcony coming up there. Um, great. So that's inspiring, isn't it? That's really encouraging. And, you know, this is, this is how we want to be church. We recognise that each of us has been made with a purpose. Just think, I just wonder if as we respond in prayer, we start off by, Susie talked about um, having that, that thing of surrender, that thing of starting off, to Simon Gilbert saying, I'll do anything you want, whatever you have. And she gave some great examples of, of, of big and small areas of her life where she's done that. So should we just start with that? Let's just have a moment of quiet. But if you agree, uh, if you want to join in this prayer, we'll just uh, offer ourselves to God. And again, if it's the first time of doing this, um, it can be quite scary. Um, but it's that, it's that thing of as we, as we know God more, and as we walk through these challenges, South Africa and the other stories that they've got, that they share, it, 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 we kind of become more familiar with that. Oh yes, he, he, really, he really does care. <laughs> it really does work. So, um, but I encourage you just to take that step and to say, let's pray now. Lord, we, we just surrender our lives to you. And uh, like Simon Gilbert said, we just say we'll do whatever you want, whatever it takes. And we know that's a big prayer to pray, you know. Jesus' disciples left their homes, their families, they left everything. Um, it's, it is a real cost to follow Jesus. But it's an extraordinary return on investment, you know, if we're looking at it from an economist's point of view. Uh, Lord, we give ourselves to you. And we pray that you continue to lead us in your plans and purposes. Show us what the big works, the little works are that you've got for us. And help us to, to stand firm, as he was talking about, when the, when the enemy would, would try and distract or discourage or destroy what, what we're building together with God. You know, help us and just think, about, just think about the areas that you know that you're building and others, others that you know and hope are building and around the place. Think about people in their workplaces, in their communities, in these teams within the church that, that he mentioned. Let's, let's, let's just pray for others in, in their places of rebuilding. We bless you. We bless you with courage. We bless you with perseverance to know the favour of God. To see where the enemy is trying to destroy and rob from you and to carry on. Help us to build and build well. Amen. Great. So, so those of you who are, so we've got two things going on really. We're doing this series on Sundays, uh, and you can just come and join us on Sundays for these, these talks going through Nehemiah. But then we're also doing this course, we're calling it a Rebuilders Course, uh, tied in with our Living Free. And for those of you who are on that journey, um, this Wednesday we have our original design prayer evening, which is part of us asking God, what's the original design for each person? So you need to sign up for that. You'll have been getting the emails. And Kat's teaching uh, from uh, last week is preparation for that on hearing God's voice. So make sure you've had some time in that uh, teaching from Kat and, and working on that stuff so that you can join us. Because we're all going to be listening to God on, on Wednesday. And we're all going to be um, speaking words of original design over each other and then receiving them as well. So you have to sign up to that. And you'll, know that you'll have the details in your emails. And uh, let us know as soon as you can in the week. Today will be helpful or Monday, Tuesday, and we'll, because we're going to create some little teams for that as well. Great, so for all of you, everyone who's been with us this morning, really good to be with you and bless you, encourage you in your day and in your, in your walk and in your rebuilding and uh, see you again soon. Thanks.